From racing.com and top sport, this is a good three with Dr. Turf, Matt Welsh and Paul Tatnall. Hello and welcome to another episode of a good three. Matt Welsh, Dr. Turf and Paul Tatnall. Not the Matt Welsh. Don't be stupid. You've done <laughs> that already. You've still got the swagger. You're an imbecile. Yeah. You're an imbecile. Straight off the top, <laughs> though. Imbecile. Can I say, uh, Turf, yes. Matt and I were in the committee room at Caulfield on Saturday. Of course you were. And of course you I, were. They couldn't give a stuff about the Kieran Marler. They couldn't give a stuff about all the other committee men. All they wanted to do was talk to... That is did rubbish. You, is that, did, you, did you not get stopped for tips and photos no. and... That is not true. I got, well, I did get asked for one tip, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, the 50 bucks is history. And Toby Green's mates come over and go, oh, you're Matty Welsh. You got a tip for the last, <laughs> and he tipped them a dud, mind you. So well, the I can understand why he's got the swagger. The did you, man of the moment. Before we speak to our special guest this week, did you get asked about Sunday racing often last <laughs> week? Honestly. No, I'm being serious. Did, I didn't get asked, it? It's funny. I didn't get asked at all. I got asked Despite, once on a Queensland radio platform. Where I uh, said, I do work there gave as well, an answer. Yeah? No, I don't at all. They okay. just asked for a chat. Yep. And uh, funnily enough, uh, I didn't get asked at all. Have you yeah. got caught up in the Queen's funeral, Turfy? I saw well, you. When you say caught up tweeting. in the Queen's funeral, I saw you t- live tweeting the Queen's funeral the other day. Well, I had three birthdays whilst it was on. So, uh, you know. 99, 100, and 101. You, do you know what, Matty Welsh? I was sitting with my wife. I think, like most people, got drawn into watching the funeral under sufferance. And Cass goes, geez, this guy's put out a funny tweet about the Queen's death. So she sent it to me, and guess who it was? Don't tell me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, that's Turfy. She's like, who's Turfy? And I'm like, he does a podcast. She's like, she's like the old bloke. Yeah, and the I'm old like, bloke. good on you. Anyway, I'm Did like, she say I'm amazed he knows how to use Twitter? I was like, yeah, well. You yeah. know, there was one stark omission from everybody who was invited to the funeral, of which you know, three-quarters of the world's population the bloke in the mounting yard with a bucket and a spade. Where was he? I saw that. Where was he? Yeah. There was, I've never seen so much Edgar in my life. So before we move on, though, I went through Turf's Twitter account. And oh, I'm come like, on. And I'm like, surely he gives the podcast a lot of love. Surely there's a lot of... Uh, I'm not a retweeter. Social. Mate, you're not anything rather than your own little <laughs> half right. to get about Anyway, anyway We do point. have a guest on the yeah, line. Yeah, we do. Again, another extraordinarily special guest. Uh, he's one half of the Ben and JD Hayes team that... Is absolutely on fire heading into the spring carnival. Of course, JD Hazen, straight off the top, JD, I know Geelong and Sydney are preparing for a grand final this weekend, but you're also preparing for a big one of your own. Yeah, the Ural boys definitely are. Unfortunately, I won't be there. I'll be at Sandown um, cheering on Mr. Brightside. Uh, but they've uh, they've got a tuker, they've got a date with a tuker on Sunday at Shepparton, and we're hoping for 45k hour wins and just to throw something a little bit different at a tuker because we've had three head to heads and we're we're yet to roll them, so uh, we need to find about five lengths. But anything can happen on Grand Final what's day. The, what's the rivalry like between a tuker and your uh, JD? Is it a long-standing, hundred-year sort of uh, rivalry? Uh, yeah, it is a long rivalry. Uh, we're both quite old clubs that have been in the league for a long time, but um, there's definitely no love lost. I think they've, we've played three times, as I touched on before, and there's definitely been three all-in brawls. So it's, a, it's always a heated <laughs> contest and a good spectacle. How do you handle yourself with the brawls? Are, you know, the wily type or are you on the sidelines type? I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm so far away from it. It's not so funny. Yeah, a, I used to uh, go to a lot of... Uh, Footscray VFL games back in the day when my daughter's boyfriend was playing for. Them. I told your old man this, and and he was there the whole time, but he wasn't just an interested spectator. He was there. He marked down every possession that Will ever got, 
whether it be a handball or a smother, it went there in the in the in the record. He was marking it down. What about when he came and watched you play for uh, your role? Was it the same sort of pedantic sort of uh, um, follow following you? Yeah, it definitely was. He's a he's definitely a footy enthusiast, and I used to love it when Dad used to do our stats because he used to give us one if it was good effort. So yeah, if you, if you deserved <laughs> or you got burnt, he used to put it down because he goes. You did everything right. It just didn't happen. So yeah. you can have a kick for that. <laughs> so yeah, dad's stats are always a little bit, uh, a little, little bit, bit biased, uh, better than what they really were. You're a handy type as well, of course. Having some Footscray VFL games, that's that's right. Yeah, I I played a, a couple games in the um, Footscray VFL, but my twin uh, went to another level. I was more a country cup horse. I think I'm better suited <laughs> to training horses than uh, running around. A couple of years into your training career, or a year and a bit, I think it is now, since you've, you've teamed up with Ben, how are things going? No, I couldn't be happier with how things are going. We're surrounded by a very good team. Um, we're very much just a face of what is a lot of people chipping in to make everything work, and we're lucky that we're getting the support and good horses coming through that are really uh, quite a luxury to place. And um, No, we're definitely having a good run at the moment, and hopefully it can continue on. Speaking of your staff, I was reminded, uh, one of your runners the other day, and I noticed the owner, and it was uh, G Fennessy, and I'm assuming that was Gary Fennessy, who, through all of the, through CS, David, Peter, and now you guys, Gary Fennessy has been a constant in the Hay Stubble. That, that's the sort of staff member you're talking about, uh, Gary, who must have been with you for, I guess, 40-odd years or something. No, he, he started when Dad was four years old and he's never left. So yeah. he's wow. the definition of longevity and he's he's seen a lot of things and he, he can compare Ben and I to previous Hayes generations, which is not necessarily a good thing, <laughs> uh, but it can be. It's just uh, comparing similar and different qualities. Uh, but he's, a, he's another one exactly that you touched on. He's a very experienced horseman who, when we're really thinking about what to do, uh, he's a good person to throw to for sure. JD, you've got a couple of bases, Flemington and, of course, up there at Euroa. How do you divide your time between the two? Uh, ben and I used to spend most of our time at the farm from Monday to Thursday and either one or both head down to Melbourne for the weekend because uh, we have very capable staff at Flemington around them as well. We've got Sarah Fannin and Rice, uh, Rahis Baig, who's doing a very good job down there as well as Alicia Palmer and Lindsay. So... We're very well supported We're everywhere we are. In your role, we've got Rick Broad, uh, Dom Rod, Gary Fennessy. I don't like usually outlining um, staff because it is very much a team mentality. Everyone plays their role. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the question, Ben and I, we're Monday to Thursday at the farm and usually one on both in Melbourne for the weekend. You like to pop into the Turek Ranch while the uh, dad's in Hong Kong? <laughs> Well, I was getting to an age um, where I was probably looking to move out, but I was quite lucky my parents moved out, so someone's <laughs> got to make sure that the place isn't falling apart. Correct. And I've uh, taken that responsibility on myself. JD, when you took over, obviously when Tom left and you and your brother you know, were put into running the farm, I think we can say that there's a few eyebrows raised and you know who is this kid? You guys have now bound it together and proven that any doubt is wrong and had great group one success. When you did join the business full time, did you did you feel that pressure? Did you know that you had to deliver? It was certainly um, trying times. Um, I'm glad. Um, I, if you asked me that I had to do it all again, I'd probably feel a bit exhausted. It was, it was just very happy with how it's played out. Um, and that's just down to 
hard work and dedication I feel from everyone at Lindsay Park. It was a time where we really had to uh, just put our head down and work hard and let the results speak for themselves because there was a lot of people with a few doubts, but um, couldn't be happier with how, how we've come along in, in 18 months. You touched on the fact Mr Brightside's heading to the Underwood Stakes on Sunday and you'll be there at Sandown. He, of course, provided you with your biggest win in the Doncaster Mile earlier in the year. Seems like a, a terrific ownership group involved in this horse. They look like they love to party. What was that period of your life like, winning the Doncaster Mile, the subsequent celebrations? Well, Mr Brightside, it's been touched on. He's been an absolute godsend for us. He really put – he was our flag bearer, still is our flag bearer where he was able to have um, not so many wins together in the spring and then run fourth in that big um, Cantala on Derby Day and then put together a very impressive autumn. And now he's come back and he's two for two um, in the spring going for a nice race in the Underwood where he looks to come against what looks like to be mainly the Cox Plate rivals bar a couple missing. So um, just Mr Brightside coming through, what he's done is just a godsend, and also horses like Gentleman Royal, Lady of Honour. There's been quite a few good backup vocals as well. You're talking about uh, owners, and uh, I know Stable lost a couple of horses, a couple of owners. Did you have to sing for your supper to other owners and to, to get them to stay? Was it that difficult for you at that time? To be honest, Dr Turf, a lot of owners, we did lose a couple, but we had a lot stick fat and really back us in. So um, there was love lost and a lot of people that threw their weight behind us that I can't thank them enough uh, for giving us the opportunity. And um, so, no, there was, as although we lost a couple, we definitely um, felt the love with quite a few people that backed us in, let us buy quite nice horses like Macram, like Cole McKenna and... Um, Rupert Lee and Colin Janine Madden, they really um, backed us in when we bought Macram and now he's going to be running a very competitive race in JRA Cup and we need a few things to go right over the next month if we want to end up in the Caulfield Cup but he's um, he's been quite pleasing already in his few starts in Australia. Uh, JD, talk, spoke of your brother before, unfortunately uh, delisted from Carlton, but within days we read in the age last week he was on a plane over to Europe to uh, ensure the safe passage of the latest import. Yeah, he got delisted on the Monday and he was on the plane to Ireland on the Tuesday and having a pint of Guinness with me and Harris Walker, who's travelling the horse Kimura. Um, that was a terrific experience. We are over there for 10 days just absorbing everything um, there is to know about Irish racing in Kimura. We were able to stay with Joe Lyons, and he was incredibly hospitable. He actually let us ride work there, which was a really interesting experience. Um, but, yeah, I'm quite happy with the physical horse that we have. It didn't go to play in the Irish legend where he competed against the world's best at level weights on heavy ground. So I think it really can turn it on its head when he gets into a handicap on good ground. I think uh, that's a few factors that can really improve a horse. You obviously watched, uh, grew up watching your dad and how he trained. What do you do differently from him, or do you follow a, a very similar pattern in how you train to what he did? Uh, we were very lucky um, when we got handed the keys to Yeroa. Uh, he also worked out how to train out of there. So we do follow a very similar blueprint. Um, we do, we're probably a bit more conservative, Ben and I, just where we're at in our um, training career. We're a bit more conservative than Daddy can get a little bit bullish, and that's why he's been able to pull off some one of the great 
stings in uh, racing, such as boom time and the Caulfield Cup, because he's able to pull off those things. But he's a he's also a great asset uh, for Ben and I. That if we're ever deliberating over a horse, that we can just throw to him, and he's not a bad uh, brain to pick. The um, one of the absolutes for a stable to um, continue on like you guys would be the replenishment of stock and so forth and I guess the uh, the key to that is is finding the right two-year-olds who sources the two-year-olds who looks at them and who decides which ones to buy JD uh, we've got a very good sales team uh, we use the um, likes of Dean Hawthorne to help us pick our list um, we use Dave McKellar our head vet uh, who's got a very good eye for a horse and um, Ben and Tommy Ryan also have input as well. So many, many brains together uh, usually help us find the right ones. But it was very tough to get the right horse that you wanted this year as the yearling market was so strong, which is a credit to the Australian racing industry, I feel. Uh, but it just didn't mean that we could really... You'd love to go there and buy the horse that you want, but sometimes you have to attach six zeros next to it, which is a little bit unachievable sometimes. So shopping was hard, but I'm quite happy with the crop that we've got coming through. I think we've got a few nice ones. JD, we uh, hear a lot about the staffing issues that are facing stables right across the state. How do you guys go, both at Eurora and Flemington, in terms of getting staff? Is it a struggle for you? No, it definitely is a struggle. We're very much in the same boat as everyone else in the industry. Uh, It's a common theme. And um, what we did miss over COVID was the Europeans coming through uh, with those visas and that's slowly starting to happen again but um, it definitely is a dying ass riding a racehorse and we definitely are feeling the pinch a little bit sometimes we have to get in the tools ourselves which not necessarily is a negative it's good to be able to get a feel of your horses but uh, preferably you'd like to be able to staff that you don't have to what do you think can be done to help improve the the situation oh i'd I'm not too sure. Um, we've always had – it's a common topic in the box at Flemington when we're talking to Troy Corstens and um, all the Friedman boys. And well, there's plenty of ideas whether we go down the avenue of having a riding school. Um, Ireland, they seem to have it down pat over there. I went. I was, I was lucky enough to go visit Aidan O'Brien and he had a string of 60. And I think I've seen more track riders there than I did at the whole of Flemington <laughs> this morning. So – Um, whatever they're doing, I think they've got a very good system. Um, But something definitely needs to be done because uh, it is quite tiring um, trying to bridge the gap um, with the lack of staff. JD, obviously working with your brother, you know, it's great to be able to work with family, but speak me through how you guys train together. Is one stronger in a certain area, one compared to the other? Do you guys brawl often about the topics? What is the dynamic like? Yeah, I think it's been well documented as well. Ben and I, uh, when we do argue, it's not in the most professional manner, but it's to the (laughs) point we're both arguing for the best. And very rarely, if we we can't um, come to a decision, we've got very good people to throw to, like Gary Fennessy, Dom Roden, Grace Ramage. Um, And then if we we still can't sort it out, we throw to the big boss in Hong Kong and he's got the deciding (laughs) vote once you put your case forward. But we've, in 18 months, we've only ever had to do that twice. Um, what was so this, we were able to resolve it. What was the situation, well. uh, JD? What, what caused you to uh, pick up the phone with a, uh, a desperate plea to, the de- to your father? It was Crosshaven. I wanted to go for the Echuca Cup and Ben wanted to go for the Group 2 at uh, Flemington. And 
credit where credit's due. I was wrong. He ran a very good race from the wide barrier at Flemington, and he ran second at 30 to 1. And, um, yeah, I think uh, now looking back on it, it was the correct decision. You had a big day at the Valley a couple of weeks ago. Of course, Mr. Brightside bolted in winning the fee and stakes. But probably the uh, the win that really stood out was that of Asar. Uh, much had been made of the fact that he'd struggled after making such a promising start to his career. Many suggesting that he should be gilded and that might bring about the best. I think Dr. Turf said that as maybe, well. Maybe, maybe. 500 times. But how satisfying was it getting Asar back in the winner's circle? Uh, incredibly satisfying because, as you touched on, he was in the wilderness for a long time, and he was quite. He's he's got a, a few quirks. Um, just trying to get his brain on the job um, is the main thing, but he's just so well bred, being a half to home affairs. And uh, when you go through his pedigree, um, I think when he does go to stud, a few breeders will really like what they see there. So being able to get that result, um, the job's still not done. He probably needs to be able to post a group win. Um, whether it be Eric three or um, we're planning on heading to Perth with him. We're going to start plotting a per, uh, path that way um, going across there, which I think will be good for him because a change of environment can really stimulate them. And you never know what you got because I, I do assure everyone he's got a V8 engine under there. It's just uh, when he decides to turn it on. Do you uh, punt, JD? I mean, the old man liked to have a little bet. He wasn't a big punter and he certainly liked to tip. What about yourself? I'm susceptible to putting a bit of lunch money on trying to turn it in. <laughs> lunch money. It's <laughs> a fancy lunch. What, what, what about... Uh, no, not, definitely not. No, I, do, I don't mind one. The old, uh, there was an old boarding master at uh, Melbourne Grammar. I'm not sure we'll mention his name, but he, he would have used to uh, get a few tips off JD, I think, back in the day. There was a few deals struck where I used to get off scot-free if I was able to trade for a winning tip. So it, stand, it stood me in good stead, but... Um, yeah, he uh, he was susceptible to asking for a tip. It was a bit of a ritual every week. You spoke about boom time, of course, won the, the Caulfield Cup at a, a massive price a couple of years ago. Corey Parrish was in the saddle who'd, who'd been doing a lot of work with Lindsay Park. I think the, the stable from memory had a few runners in that year's Caulfield Cup. Did you get the tip on boom time? Were you uh, given a bit of a leg up? No, I was flabbergasted how it came off. That was amazing. I was very much in the Harlem camp. I was uh, I was watching Harlem, and he's our Rocky going around. He was, I think, from memory, we had four runners in the race, and he was seed four for me. So mm. the fact that the C's part had got a beautiful ride and was able to win uh, is a moment for our family that we won't forget for a long time because Dad owned and trained the Caulfield Cup winner. I don't think that feat will be repeated anytime soon. I think they had had been owned in Perth. I think that horse and maybe the owner had gone a bit dusty. Was this, I think there was a backstory to that one, wasn't there, uh, JD? Yeah, there was. Um, unfortunately, the owner hit some financial trouble about eight weeks beforehand, and um, a deal was struck where Dub took over the ownership. And he actually was he wasn't really performing. Uh, he was sort of lost in the wilderness, and then he ran a very good race in the Herbert Power and. Um, truth be told, Dad only ran him to keep another one out because he really fancied Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> fortune, fortune favours the brave. Uh, the JD, is history. JD, you are our special guest today, but our other special guest is the Executive General Manager of Racing, oh, Jesus, Matthew Paul. Welsh. Now, you live and breathe racing every day out in the workforce. What advice can you give to our friend here, Matt Welsh, about what he needs to do in his first six months of his job? Good question. 
That's a very good question. I don't think you need to be listening to me for one, but uh, I think you'll do a very good job, Matty, as you're a very uh, well-researched, knowledgeable man. So I'll, I'm more about giving feedback once it's done. I'll ask me in six months. <laughs> okay, we will. <laughs> don't worry about that. Hey, uh, JD, we, we've spoken a little bit about Mr. Brightside. He's, he's two from two this campaign. He's coming up against some of the absolute best in Sunday's Underwood Stakes. Uh, just taking a look at the early acceptors at this stage, it looks like it's going to be a, a pretty small field, but... He's going to clash with Zaki. He's going to clash with I'm Thunderstruck, Alligator Blood, Mawunga, Nonconformist at the very least. This is the absolute creme de la creme, as you highlighted earlier, a bit of a Cox Plate preview. How do you think he's going to measure up in this sort of company? Uh, that's a million-dollar question. For racing enthusiasts, they're really going to be – it's sort of like – absolutely drooling over this type of stuff i think it's a it's a lovely race and it's good for racing um i'm a little bit one-eyed a little bit biased i am falling in love with the horse so i think he'll run a very good race i just like how we've had two very good nice first up second up runs and i like the map into into the race um i think he'll be able to he seems to be leaving the barriers really well and touch what he does it again so i think his main challenges will be having to sprint past him and the turn of foot he displayed at mooney valley um, I think that'll be a hard effort, but he's against the best. You can't fault um, Thunderstruck being a last start group one winner. Um, so only time will tell. I'm saying that I think he can win, but I'm well and truly biased. Cox Plate or Caulfield Cup? At this stage, it maps beautifully into a Cox Plate. Outside of the stable star, you've got a couple of nice horses, Tier 1, a Lady of Honour. Is there one or two that's probably not yet known, a little bit undiscovered that we should look out for over the next couple of months? I really like a horse that's running uh, tomorrow at Pakenham called Extreme Step. Um, she was quite brilliant first up. Second up, didn't quite go to plan, uh, just with the heavy track. And I, I've always had a bit of an opinion of her, so hopefully she's able to progress through. I've always thought she's listed quality, um, and only time will tell. What about uh, when the horses are all boxed up at night, uh, JD? How do you relax uh, in your rower? I, I wind down quite easy. I turn my phone off at 6 o'clock every night and um, I either put on a good Netflix show or go for a run, try to keep fit because um, I am receding, have a receding hairline. I don't <laughs> like to be fat before 30, so <laughs> I try to keep in some sort of shape. But um, I've also got a good group of mates there having played at your rower for a few years few years so i am susceptible to a pot at the pub yeah that that hair has been a family issue for a long long time hasn't it the i issue have inherited the... a lot of good things from the old man but a hairline's definitely not one of them <laughs> that's a bit rich though coming from you old mate making comments about hairlines oh, it's just an observation oh, uh, kettle black. <laughs> cs cs was famously a little bit thin up there and um it just seems to have been handed down generation after generation your poor kids jade cs was the best he had a toupee he, he, did, he did have a toupee and he'd be rolling in his grave knowing that i'm saying this on, <laughs> hey jd it's no secret mate i think everybody in racing knew <laughs> Surfy's got a list of racing's best two pays that he I can reel off if you like. I do. Uh, CS was uh, Brian Mayfield Smith, shocker. Jeff Murphy. Oh, there were some bad ones. Oh, God, there were some bad ones. Now, JD, with your footy pedigree as well, we missed for us not to ask you for your tip on Saturday. Both, who do you think is going to take out the big game and the Norm Smith medalist as well? I've always been a big fan of Geelong ever since I've seen them play Carlton. I think they've just got the right age group and they've got really good height and athleticism across every line. 
and I'm going to go with Paddy Dangerfield for the Norm Smith. I could not think of a better answer on a podcast. Look at you, Paul. Jeez, grinning like a Cheshire cat. Good boy. Can't wait for next week. The footy will be over. JD, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat. You've got uh, a lot of bullets to fire this spring. You've got a, a terrific young team up at Yaroa. You guys are doing wonderful things. Best of luck for the spring carnival, and uh, hopefully the footy team can get it done as well on Sunday. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. A look from the book. Presented by Top Sport. It's time now to welcome in Tristan from Top Sport. And mm. Tristan, my friend, you've been beaten. You have to concede defeat. Two from two, my friend. Paul Tatnell is, has unseated the lay yet again. Extraordinary yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no jokes there, Turf, to her. No, just, you know, you know, blind squirrel finds the odd acorn. <laughs> Same <laughs> thing you said last week. Oh, well, yeah, broken clock is correct. How did you go on the multi on Saturday, by the way? Uh, well, we, 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 did we know it was going to be a heavy eight? Uh, did we know it was going to be a heavy eight? What hope have we got when the Weather Bureau is so inept? What hope have we got? I think the last thing that you Jeez. should be doing is describing anyone as inept. <laughs> oh, here we go. My friend. <laughs> Um, anyway, it, it, it was my selection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't know. You don't know either. No. Chain of lightning. That was unlucky in your defence. Well, it was a Jamie Carr. I'm not exactly sure what Jamie Carr was doing in that particular race, but that's another story. Anyway, so the streak's been broken. Uh, Paul got uh, aft cabin up. Tristan laid it, and uh, the rest was history. But how are you, Tristan? Yeah, I'm good. And then I've got to say, I, I was actually at a wedding Saturday Arvo, and right when aft cabin was about to line up and race. So I thought, well, I'm going to find out pretty quickly how this result goes because I was very confident Paul, if he got the result, would have been very chirpy in the uh, in the chat, but he was a very gracious winner. I actually gracious. walked out of the ceremony, my phone had a buzz, and I Paul. thought, oh, I must have got rolled here, and I went to check the result I, illegally. And I can, uh, I've never heard Paul ungracious no, in the I same think sense. In my, in my defence, Tristan, I was pretty broken from the football the night before, and on the Pepsi Maxes at the races on Broken? Saturday. You guys won by, by 500 goals. points. It's <laughs> just the emotional roller coaster. Oh, Matthew. my God. You need to... Ch- emotional <laughs> roller coaster. Please. It was like a seesaw in a playground. It was only a <laughs> roller coaster. Uh, anyway, look, we're, we're chatting to you on Wednesday, so we don't have acceptances out yet Wednesday no, so we morning. we can't cover uh, the big features. So we'll talk footy because Let's there's a reasonably footy. big game on the weekend. Yeah, I, I, I want to chat first of all about the Brownlow medal on Sunday. It was an extraordinary count. You had five or six players vying for the victory. Uh, at, at one point I saw in play... Lockie Neal got into about a dollar fifteen or something like that uh, before, of course, being beaten by Patrick Cripps. What sort of event is it like for you, both turnover-wise in the lead-up and then the in-play betting on the event? Yeah, oh, it's a massive event, particularly in the lead-up. Like it's just gone from um, you know strength to strength in terms of uh, a betting medium. There's so many more markets up. I think the the recent addition of betting on players to get the three votes in, in each game. Um, that's just added just an extra element to it because every every round you've, you've got a stack of action people molting all the shorties up and those sort of things. So and, and I think in essence that actually 
has made the markets much more accurate as well. Like I, I think we saw, as you said, Lockie Neal got into a dollar fifteen, and then the market just flipped on its head when Paddy Cripps uh, got some votes in a game that maybe he wasn't expected to. Um, and then obviously Lockie Neal missed out when he was expected to pull the three. So it's um, it's amazing how they, those those live betting moves uh, just change dramatically just based on the data and the expectation. So our live our live action isn't huge on it, but I'm sure for uh, for a few of the others it is. You know, where uh, unfortunately from our perspective, people still have to ring up to place their bets, which is a mm. little bit tricky on a uh, late Sunday evening. Well, given the fact that 99% of AFL players can't uh, poll a vote, uh, it's not that difficult to sort of get your markets right. Not well, no reflections on top sport. Well, wait, let's go and open up turf bet, mate, and see how you go. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting at here is the fact that a bloke like Stephen May, who I would, I would say he was BOG four times during the year, maybe five. How many votes did he get? Zero. Zero. So Same as uh, Wiedering. Yeah, give us a spell, please. Tristan, talking <laughs> in the grand final, let's move on to that. Sydney-Geelong on Saturday. Has there been much movement since you posted markets following that electric preliminary final on Saturday evening? It actually has. And um, I suppose historically, particularly when you've got a team that's been, and I'm sure – Paul will enjoy me saying this. It's been pretty dominant over the back end of the, the oh, season. Um, oh, okay. And, and you've, you've got a, a, a good, uh, you know, fill of, of punters that have taken Geelong throughout the course of the year for the flag. Historically, you, you get money on the plus in the in, in the week leading up to it where punters are trying to sort of put themselves in a position where they can win either way. So we set the line at two and a half on the match, uh, ten and a half on the match, I say. Um, expecting that there might be a bit of a flood for the the Swannies plus, but it's certainly gone the other way. It's gone ten and a half out to twelve and a half now. One fifty one in from a dollar fifty seven, I think Geelong. So it's been one way traffic for the minus punters, and uh, punters are expecting Geelong to be a little bit too good in the grand final. That's ridiculous. I, I'm you know I'm as patriotical as the rest, but that is ridiculous. Odds a dollar fifty one. They should be a dollar fifteen, mate. A dollar ninety. <laughs> They've won fifteen on the trot. They Did put you watch the nine? football in two thousand and eight? The, was semi, the, the preliminary trot, so final was over at quarter time. Sydney, about else. Sydney, Sydney were gone in the last quarter. If that game went another twenty five mm. seconds. You're playing Collingwood. You guys are. Uh, I'm sorry to say it, but that dollar fifty-one is the uh, best bet of the weekend. I, I think the handbag will kick in in the third quarter, and uh, I think it'll be very, very close. See, it doesn't shock me that you got no friends too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> wow. That is, Let's, that is an enormous. Oh my god! How did he jump from that <laughs> to, to that so quickly? He's gone really hard. Let's talk about the Norm Smith. It's a, a fascinating bet type. Who have you got at the top of the market there? Yeah, the Norm Smith is always one of the most popular betting uh, markets on the uh, grand final. And Paddy Dangerfield, he's $7.50. Callum Mills, he polled very well in the Brownlow. He's $9.50, the shortest of the Swannies. Jeremy Cameron, $9.50. Then you got Luke Parker, 11 Tom Stewart, 13 Isaac Heaney at 14 So very, very wide-open market there. Buddy Franklin, $26 going around again, obviously, now for the, uh, the Swans next year. So... Um, yeah, always a wide market and plenty of activity on that one. All right, no racing multi for us this week, so we're going to have a bet on the footy. Righto. Norm Smith, Turfy. Uh, I'm going to go for Callum Mills. Radio, Paul? Thomas Stewart. I'm Jeremy Cameron. Good thing. Um, yeah, brave, both of you. Ca- Callum Mills is shorter than both of them. <laughs> uh, Callum Mills is going to be, but I'm tipping a bloke who is going to win the Norm Smith from a losing team, a la Nathan Buckley. Ooh. 
Gary Ablett as well, back in oh, yes. 89, 89, kicked okay. nine goals in that oh, famous grand final. I was at that game as well. So was I. You know, that was, Top that's, deck. That was overrated. I mean, it was a great game. But I it, agree with this. But yeah. Geelong were never going to win at any stage. The, the closest they got was five seconds to go in the final I, quarter. I they watched, were never going to win. I watched that game again on KO the other day. Yes. It is like watching a no-holds-barred yes. brawl. Would like, you like it to see is that this extraordinary. Week? They used to throw them into the into the signage on the side of the – no free kick. If the ball went out of bounds, they'd just throw them straight into the signage. They'd get back up and – that so, was yeah. so brutal. One thing I think to remember with betting for the Norm Smith is that it isn't judged by the umpires. And I think that's a terrific thing. No, you no. spoke about – It's judged by footy journals, which is – they might as well ask, right, ask people from a But uh, they a usually – what I'm trying to get at, they take – They get away from the midfielders. Yeah, they do. They take consideration the Stephen Mays or the Mark Blissard. Um, so I think it gives the some players like Blitz, who's at $34 in the market at the moment. Oh, Blitz. He, he, one of your mates, is he? <laughs> oh, tell you, mate. That's good. Oh. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> oh, Blitz. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's get on a first goal scorer. Who are we, who are we taking for first goal Tyson scorer? Tyson Stengel. Bradley Close. I'm Jeremy Cameron again for the oh, double. Oh, 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 brave. <laughs> All right, I've had enough of these. I'm two out of the pictures anyway. I'm not going. So what, 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 what odds have we got on the first com. goal kickers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Jeremy Cameron is the firm favourite. He's eight dollars equal to Tommy Hawkins, uh, Tyson Stingle eleven, Bradley Close twenty. So they're the a bit of value there for for close punters. And then on the Swan side of things, Buddy Franklin eleven, Isaac Heaney twelve, and Tommy Patley at thirteen dollars. If you're framed to market, uh, Trist, uh, how many possessions Gary Rowan gets? You know, like naught to one, yeah. one to two, two to three. It's such three original content. Did you watch the first final? Did you? Oh, you too. Uh, it's just, it's just steals content from elsewhere and claims it's his own. With a line for the disposal market on the game. But, uh, yeah, certainly, unfortunately. Tristan, uh, don't Gary engage with him. Don't engage Wow. <laughs> he doesn't fit no. into the top 36. I tell you what, I should have become a professional fisherman because <laughs> this, is, this is the easiest catch I've ever had. All right, it's like a big Murray cod with its mouth flapping open. <laughs> I'll just throw the bait in there. Oh, I've got him again. There we go. Hey, Reel him in. My wife asked me, did you call yourself Dr. Turk? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I think he gave himself the nickname. Uh, I suggested that to a jockey once, <laughs> a retired jockey uh, from Sydney, a Group 1 winning jockey. I suggested he named himself... And his response was to threaten to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another day. But that is the uh, truth. All right, let's wrap up. Tristan's got a meeting to get to. Uh, all the markets for the big races will be up right across the weekend at topsport.com.au. Tristan, of course, you'll be taking punters on right across the weekend. We certainly will. It's a big weekend of racing. Looking forward to it. And hopefully all four of us are back next week because if Paul's one of those retired jockeys and he follows through with that thread after the uh, the conversations <laughs> oh, yeah. over the uh, the course of the last five minutes, we might be one short. I reckon yeah, I could kill him in a in front of everyone at the MCG <laughs> and there'll be not one witness. He'll be back next week. I'm just going to throw some burley in the water <laughs> and he'll he'll be back. He'll he won't be, be he won't be back if Geelong lose. Nah, he'll God. be gone oh, for weeks. Come on, go Swannies. Uh, all right, Tristan, we'll speak to you soon. Uh, Turfy, Paul, that's uh, enough out of you two. I, I've got to go. I can't, I can't keep umpiring this. <laughs> yeah, fine. Paul, okay. have you got anything else for us? One final thing to say, boys. Here we go. Go Cats. Oh, no. See you, Paulie. <laughs> that was a good three. Presented by Racing.com and Top Sport.